We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back in to another episode of the Royals Farm Report podcast. My name is Alex Duvall, a new member of Tar Heel Nation. Let's go, <laughs> Tar Heels. So I have no idea what the score is. I don't have the game on. I can't watch the game. I can't make myself suffer through it. But I am the biggest Tar Heel fan you have ever seen. Me and Eric Church, baby. Uh, let's go, Tar Heel Nation. Uh, joined, as always, tonight by Joel Penfield. Joel, um, how is Tar Heel Nation down in Oklahoma doing? Yeah, you know we're ha- we're hanging in there. Uh, it's it's just kind of funny. Like I don't see if Kansas wins tonight, I don't really care. They might as well have some happiness before they get hammered by the NCAA for some violation. I can't even say that with a straight face. They're a blue blood. They're not going to get in any trouble. Why does it matter? Because they refuse to cooperate. You only get in trouble if you cooperate. That is that is what I've that's learned. That's where my alma mater just they decided to do the right thing, which was comply, and then they're the ones that get boned. And KU puts their feet up on the desks with double birds, and they're not going to get in any trouble. Eh, you ain't cheating you ain't trying i guess josh how is uh tar heel nation up here in kansas city uh i think it's vastly outnumbered i'm on the i've moved to the missouri side so it's a lot friendlier to the tar heels on on this evening but uh there's plenty of people in the city that are are ku fans all of a sudden but also they've been around for a hot minute but it just seems like they get more obnoxious somehow. It's it's very surprising that they can get they get like the next the next gear of obnoxious uh, on top of it. So uh, I mean we're good. I haven't I, I stopped paying attention to basketball a long time ago because I'm a Mizzou fan. So uh, that's just how this all goes. So it's on the football season. It's always football season in Patrick Mahomes land. <laughs> yep. um, so welcome Except on this podcast. The- it's baseball season. Let's go. Mm. Yeah. Welcome into the Tar Heel Nation podcast. Um, <laughs> let's get into it, boys. Minor league rosters are out. Let's head down to South Tar Heel State in Columbia, South Tar Heel. Um, we have the low A affiliate, the Kansas City Royals, the Columbia Fireflies. There are some familiar names back on this roster for the 20, 2022 minor league season. There are some new faces on this team. Uh, really quick, I will just rattle them off. Pitchers, Jack Aldrich, Wander Arias, Luinder Avila, Luis Barroso, Noah Cameron, Delvin Capellan, Eric Sarantola, Shane Connolly, Herbert Garcia, Patrick Halligan, Isaiah Henry, Ben Hernandez, Ryland Kaufman, John McMillan, Samuel Valerio, 
Chase Wallace and Marlon Willis. On the infield, Wilman Candelario, Francis Gruyon, Rubindi Jaquez, Edgar Martinez, Guillermo Quintana, Josh Rivera, Enrique Valdez. In the outfield, Jaswell De Los Santos, Daryl Collins, Eric Pena, Rivertown. And then behind the dish, we have Felix Familia back in again, Omar Hernandez back in again, and 2022, I'm sorry, 2021 second round, third round pick, Carter Jensen. Gentlemen, um, there's a few names I'm surprised to see back. I'm surprised Daryl Collins is back. Um, Maybe there's some things they want to work on defensively. Maybe he's Rule 5 eligible this year, and they didn't want him to get to double A in any way, right? Leave it off the table. Um, there's a few guys I'm surprised to see back. Uh, ben Hernandez, I kind of thought might make that jump to high A. What are your initial thoughts on the roster? Let's let's break down the Columbia Fireflies out there in South Tar Heel Nation. Yeah, I, I like that we're getting, we're getting our first look at Woman Candelario, Eric Pena. I'm really excited for what Eric Pena is going to do, obviously. I talked about him a lot last week. Uh, but to see him get into affiliated ball is really nice. I wonder if there's some sort of like – this is Daryl Collins played his first year and then they'll work on some things, but he can kind of in a way like mentor Eric Pena in his first year making that adjustment because uh, Daryl Collins did the same thing playing in the complex league. And then first full year, maybe there's something there. Uh, and then I wonder how they're going to split time with three catchers with Omar Hernandez, uh, Carter Jensen. That's a great dude for Carter Jensen to learn from and Omar Hernandez behind the dish. Ben Hernandez going back to low eight, I don't think is as surprising as you said, but he only, he didn't throw very many innings last year. So I bet this is a go throw 30 innings, get ready to go. And then we'll hit, then we'll send you up to quad cities here soon. Uh, other than that, this roster kind of broke down the way I thought, but some, some fun names there and a team that's definitely going to compete in the Sally for, for some uh, playoff spot. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat with same people. I, I was pumped to see the Carter Jensen, Omar Hernandez kind of get to work off of each other there. That'll be a solid duo. I think duo, I think between uh, their varying skill sets, um, I, I'm pumped to be able to see Eric Pena on a regular basis here. Um, depending on how many games they air, they should be should be every game, right? In Quad Cities, in in Columbia, most of the games oh, are, sorry, yeah. are yeah. They most of the games are on minor league TV. Yes. Yep. So I, I'm excited to be able to watch him on a regular basis. But uh, yeah, that uh, seeing Hernandez and Luinder Avila, another guy, another couple guys that I'd kind of like to see and get my eyes on uh, a lot more regularly this year. I'm um, so happy to see those guys in the same rotation, potentially. That is the bummer with, you know, big names in the Arizona League, and it looks like Daniel Vasquez is a good example of a guy yeah. who will be in Arizona, is we get, we don't get to see him. There's no minor league feed for those Arizona games. And so you got to wait for Carter Jensen's, the Wilman Candelario's, the Der- the Eric Pena's to get to Columbia, to, to low A, to see them on a regular basis. Um, a guy we didn't talk about much, Francis Grion, is a guy I'm kind of curious about. Very yep. average hitter with some um, some outlier tools on the periphery that I've seen a couple swings that he's been taking in the air in, in spring training there in Arizona, and it just seems like there's more loft uh, ready for his swing. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he came out and hit 10, 12 home runs this year. So Francis Grion's an infielder, second baseman specifically. I'm kind of excited to watch. Mm. That lineup has got a lot of potential for a lot of power. I mean, between yeah. Carter Jensen, Eric Payne, Daryl Collins, you could have some big flies. There's a lot of big left-handed bats in that lineup. And, you know, Wilman Candelario was kind of a big dollar signing out of the Dominican Republic. We'll see what he ends up being. I think the the issue there is I, I don't know 
for a lot of these guys, the Arizona league was so spotty last year and the pitching I've heard was so bad that it's hard to really take anything away from it. You know, there, there were a couple situations last year where guys got put in and not that they were in over their heads, but maybe weren't quite ready. And I, you know, the, the, some guys got to go. Somebody's got to go play in Columbia. The minor league season rolls on. I do kind of wonder what we'll get out of Candelario. Like this could be a year where by the end of the season, we're talking about Candelario as a non-prospect. Um, it could also be a situation with Eric Pena where like, man, remember when we thought he was going to be the next good thing? There's a lot of opportunity to turn around and go the other way. But I just – I don't know. I, like, I don't know what to make of, of some of these guys coming over. So uh, a lot of volatility there, a lot of – and that's low A, right? There's, there's not a lot of college kids here. So it's not like they have – like Peyton Wilson isn't high A, right? You have Rivertown on the roster, but really most of these kids are prep guys or international signings. There's not a ton of college with uh, experience on this roster, right? I mean, Rivertown is the only example of that in terms of, of the bats. Um, Eric Sarantola is on the mound, Noah Cameron. So they got some pitchers in that regard. Um, but the bats are young. The bats are, the bats are preps. The bats are guys who really, and maybe that's why Daryl Collins is back in low A, like you said, to lead a team, to be the guy, to be the veteran in that lineup. Um, I was kind of hoping we'd see Collins go to high A and just see how the tools play. Uh, but we'll see. I'm still really high on Collins and I'm not, I'm not ready to. And I, and I bet he'll be up there soon. I wouldn't be shocked if it's a, you know, kind of get everybody going and then he goes and, and makes his way up to high A and helps the the club there. And I know when you're reading off the pictures, I'm sure that there are listeners that are like, where's Mazzucato, where's Kuderna, where's Panzini? They're staying down in Arizona, it seems. Nothing injury-related, nothing, you know, to worry about. It just seems like they're trying to take their time and let these guys ramp up in, in a, you know, a more normal fashion. The, they're going to join the team in Columbia at some point. I'd imagine they probably do by the end of April would be my guess. Just continue, you know, give them those extra couple of weeks uh, to get going, and then we'll see them in the rotation there. The other the other guys I wanted to talk to talk about is we talked a little bit about John McMillan uh, last last week, him being in that bullpen. Another guy we talked about today in the chat is Isaiah Henry, converted outfielder. Uh, Alex, you talked about him gassing up, throwing 99 last, uh, last summer. Um, so I'm very interested to see what his progression is a little bit, being able to have that experience down there in low way uh, against not necessarily like the the guys, the top prospects to kind of get right and see what his stuff is. So Isaiah Henry's another dude uh, that I'm going to kind of keep an eye on this season. For anybody who hadn't heard of Isaiah Henry, freak athlete. I mean, we're talking around the Nick Heath, Tyler Tolbert, just freaks of the of the system in terms of just raw athletic ability that is off the charts. Uh, didn't quite come around with the bat, and so they put him on the mound. And again, it is high-octane velo. Um, I, I'm excited to see what that looks like against low-A hitters. Another guy you we said didn't he was up about, to 99, right? Touching up in the upper. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a live arm. It is high-octane hey. juice. Like, there's – you know, there's there's not many guys who can just naturally get up and just mm. start ripping fastballs like that, right? So uh, as our Samuel Valerio, yeah. Samuel Valerio is another one, big dude, high yeah. octane. We've seen him 101. Yep. Um, you talk about being able to pop a radar gun. I don't know where his future is in the rotation or the bullpen. I'm sure we'll get to see very soon as Columbia takes. Um, is it Friday? They they get going. They got three games yep. set this weekend. So, yep. um, you, we'll see in that regard. But Valerio is another guy, huge fastball with a really deep curveball and and I'm excited to see how we can how we can pitch. Like some of these guys, 
And again, that's low A, right? A lot of these guys can throw. Eric Sarantola can throw. Now let's see how the pitching development comes in. Um, because that's 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 low A baseball, and that's gonna be the fun of it. Last year, the Royals kind of were the opposite of that. Last year, the Royals low A team was a lot of pitchers with very underwhelming stuff. I'm looking at this rotation right now, and then the guys that are gonna be in this system. There's some loud stuff down there, and it's just, it's really going to be a matter of how well can they put it all together in terms of their pitchability that's going to be the difference between them being in low A and being in high A. Which is interesting because uh, we've talked about this a little bit amongst ourselves where they went prep arm heavy in last year's draft to kind of rebuild the next wave, but they're doing that without those three main guys in that rotation. I mean, Ben Hernandez, Rylan Kaufman, Lunder Avila – all have potential. They all have the upside that we are kind of looking for in that next wave. So the fact that they're able to field a very interesting rotation without those main three draft picks last year in the prep class, that's saying something. So I'm 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 really pumped about you know we already have this super deep pitching uh, organization, and now we're potentially just more and more popping up from from where they are. So it's it's, it's very interesting to see you know how their how their year kind of shapes up. Let's move on to high A. The pitchers, they're going to be pitching for the Quad Cities River Bandits to open up the season. Adrian Alcantara, Harrison Beef, Christian Chamberlain, Mitch Ellis, Tyson Guerrero, Casey Kalich, Emilio Marquez, Caden Monk, Johansa Morel, Noah Murdoch, Charlie Neuweiler, Anderson Paulino, Walter Pennington, Ruben Ramirez, Anthony Simonelli, and Patrick Smith. On the infield, Gerard Gonzalez, Morgan McCullough, Dylan Shrum, Tyler Tolbert, Cam Williams, Peyton Wilson. In the outfield, Parker Bates, Burl Dixon, Tyler Gentry, Diego Hernandez, and Juan Carlos Negret. And then behind the dish, Kale Emshoff, Saul Garza, Kyle Hayes, and Luca Tresh. What a group of catchers we've yeah. got. In quad four deep. From running four deep at catcher is going to be interesting how they're going to make that work because yeah, there's I've three never... dudes for sure that you need to get in your lineup at least five times a week. So I'm sure there's a cat like M. Schaff's going to catch and Saul Garza can go to first and, and Tresh can DH and they'll they'll work it around because you have to get those guys in the lineup. Mm. Yeah, I've never heard of a Kyle Hayes, but those other three guys <laughs> are going to be yeah. hitting. A and lot. No slight to Kyle Hayes, but I know those. I know the other three names, and I hope that Kyle Hayes has a great season. Uh, Josh, your boy, Tyler Gentry. Yeah. He's back. I like it. I mean, I'm fine with it. I should say more so than I like it. It's uh, more development time for Gentry and we'll see how it kind of shapes up, but you know, it's never a bad thing. I I hope he shows out and starts heading toward, let's say he heads up to double a around the same time that Daryl Collins is showing out in a ball. He gets bumped up and there's your, there's your interchange. And Nick Lofton goes to Omaha. Ooh, we'll get to that. I, the, the name that popped out for me on this was the guy that, that we liked last year a little bit. Just Burl Dixon is such a fascinating case because the yeah. tools are ridiculous. He's like six, seven. I mean, he's, he's kind of built like O'Neill Cruz. He's not O'Neill Cruz, but he's built like that. And, all the raw power in the world he can run if he can find a way to put it together he's just a fascinating case yeah he so that outfield has some freakish athletic yes it does that was my diego hernandez diego hernandez i don't know that maybe we paid enough attention to diego hernandez last year or that we you know advertised him enough i will pull up his fan graphs page real quick so i don't get anything wrong 
Um, but Diego Hernandez can fly. He is mm-hmm. one of the best runners in the system. I think that I draft him in our league. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so. I 30, 35 stolen bases caught 11 times. Yeah. 30. So 35 stolen bases last year. Um, hit 274 in low A, 96 weighted runs created plus, 10% walk rate. So a guy that finds ways on base, a guy who's a very average hitter last year. But you talk about upside defensively at center field, he's got the most of anybody in the system. Mm-hmm. Like there, There's not a defensive center fielder in the system with more upside than he has at the position. He made a catch last year that I didn't think he had any business making, and all of a sudden he's like camped under it. It wasn't even like a diving catch he had to go make in the gap. He just got to a ball that I thought was going to be a double or a triple for sure. Uh, so Diego Hernandez combined with like a Burl Dixon and right, a Tyler Gentry. You've got one Carlos Negret there who can DH and play the corners. And Parker Bates is a guy who can go fill in in center field. You talk about our college bats from the 2021 draft class. Parker Bates is a guy I was kind of intrigued by out of Louisiana yep. Tech. Um, big hitter for Louisiana Tech last year. A fifth-year senior who ended up falling in the draft because of a uh, fifth-year senior, right? So – um, kind of interested to see what he can bring. I don't necessarily know what his role in the organization looks like long-term, but I think he can be a prospect. I think he can be a guy we're talking about at the back end of our top 50 list at midseason if he goes out there and hits. Uh, think about like an off-brand Tucker Bradley a little bit, um, somewhere in that vein. So we'll see about Parker Bates. Uh, uh, and the infield, Peyton Wilson, really excited to see him at the next level. I'm glad they pushed him to high A. I think – the hit tool, if you if you talk about it in a more modern sense, like his ability to put the bat on the ball, maybe not quite as good as like a Nicky Lopez, right? It's not it's not high contact necessarily, but the contact he makes is solid. Lots of line drives, lots of of balls that are going to get through the infield. It's not like a, he's swinging a wet noodle up there, like honestly, like Lopez did for much of his minor league career. So. Uh, a little bit different hit tool that we talk about now than we did probably 10 years ago. Um, but a guy I really like. I really think there's a lot to like there. I think he's probably, um, you know, trade bait in a best-case scenario. Like, I don't know where his role is long-term. But if he can really start to hit and make his way to double-A, you've got a good piece there. You've got a good chip to, to, to move around and go find yourself an arm long-term. So, um, you know, I, I really like Wilson. And then a guy I drafted for our league, Adrian Alcantara, just some of the weirdest stuff in the system. It's heavy sink. It's cut. It's a change up. It's a good curveball. Like, I don't know what to make of it. I think there's something there. I think there's a big league pitcher in there somewhere. We'll see how the PD comes out and how they, how they are able to help him and, and progress his career. But Adrian Alcantara is a guy I've been following since he was in Burlington. And I just, there's something about the kid I am, I'm infatuated with. So uh, Josh, really quick, let's get your take on the roster any surprises anybody you're really excited to get it get to take a look at at that next level i didn't get to see much of noah murdoch or caden monk uh in the spring training round especially also with johans morel he'll always fascinate me i always want to see if him if he you know picks up where he was kind of leaving off and uh rebuild some of his prospect stock but those three guys in that uh in that bullpen and that rotation I'm, i'm pretty pumped to see especially work with guys like you know M. Schaff and uh, Tresh and Garza behind the plate. I, I'm, I'm really interested. I think a lot of those guys can benefit from time with those catchers. I do want to give a quick shout-out before we move on to double-A. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Morgan McCullough, who was a part of the champion Kansas City Monarchs team 
in the American Association last year. That's awesome. uh, I think he was a second playing second base. Yeah, and he was he had had his contract purchased for another season with the Monarchs, and the Royals picked him up. And I I kind of forgot about it until the the roster came out today. But I think he was like he was a college guy that didn't get drafted, it didn't get get on with any um, get on with any major league organization. So he gets picked up at indie ball, tears it up last year. That Monarchs team was ridiculous. Um, they had like a bunch of former dudes that had at least a cup of coffee or uh, in the big leagues or were really good, at least a triple A. And he was a, you know, the two hole guy in that lineup playing second base, picking and grinning and won a championship. So I think there is a certain element of he was around guys that have at least seen the big leagues or seen minor league baseball. And now he comes into an organization with a lot of guys in their either their first full year in affiliated ball or guys that are still learning how to win in baseball. And he can provide some of that. So there's a little bit of a leadership quality also with a guy that good organizational depth at this point. But I think it's a cool story. Yeah. A few more names I want to throw out there really quick to keep an eye on. Tyler Tolbert, 55 stolen bases at Columbia last year, two caught stealing. Caden Monk, left-handed reliever out of Arkansas. I don't even know who to compare him to. He is like 6'6 and might weigh 140 pounds soaking wet. But the the levers that he's able to create and the length and the elbows and the knees he throws at a hitter uh, create some really problematic um, um, deception for for especially left-handed hitters. Like I think there's a big league reliever in there. And then Charlie Newweiler is a guy I've been waiting to to bust out forever. Like he has got some of the best pitchability and the best off-speed stuff in the system. He just throws 89 to 91, and it's not like invisible 89, 91. It's just, it's just slow and meaty. Flat. So it's like if he could tick up, if he could find four miles an hour to his fastball, he's immediately a top 30 prospect in the system in my mind. But I don't know where that comes from at this point. We've, we've been waiting for a few years. It just hasn't come along. He was a prep kid, I think that 2017 draft class, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. Maybe 2018. I think maybe he was he, a he was, he was He was 17. He was, he was 17. Dang. So, I mean, we've been waiting for a while now, and that velocity just hasn't come. So maybe, maybe we'll find it. But the curveball, he varies it. He throws like more like a slider, like a bigger curveball. His splitter, it's such low spin, it almost plays like a fork ball. Like it's it's such a good pitch. And then it's 89 with a fastball. So he's got to be better there. And you know, and if he doesn't, he probably won't ever make it. But if he can find that velo, man, um, the rest of the stuff will play. So um we're getting ready to head on to double A really quick before we do. Want to give a big thank you to Kansas City Strength and Conditioning, KCSC, uh, out there in home field in Olathe, uh, the home of Scott Barlow's past off season. Uh, they'll train um, anybody, baseball, softball of all ages. So if you've got a, a young one in your life looking for training, looking to take that next step, um, I know of a lot of high school kids who train out there and they got a lot better. I mean, kids I watched last year. They added five, six, seven, eight, nine miles an hour to their fastball in like a summer and an off season. So doing great work out there. Kansas City Strength and Conditioning at Home Field in Olathe. Thank you very much for picking up the show this this year. So um, on to double A, gentlemen. The pitchers on the double A roster, Dante Biasi, Holden Caps, Christian Cosby, Jeffrey Del Rosario, Jonah DePoto, Zach Hockey, Asa Lacey, Alec Marsh, Drew Parrish, Zach Phillips, Andre Sotier, Anthony Veneciano, Nate Webb, Zach Williman, Stephen Woods Jr. My goodness. <laughs> On the infield, Nate Eaton, Michael Garcia, Robbie Glendening, Ryan Grotejohn, 
Michael Massey, Jake Means, Gavin Stupiansky. In the outfield, Tucker Bradley, Nick Lofton, Suli Matias, and John Rave. And then behind the dish, Tyler Cropley, Sebastian Rivero, who I just saw that for the first time. We'll get to him. Mm -hmm. And then Logan Porter. Interesting to me that Sebastian Rivero is sent all the way to double A. Let me look at the catchers at Omaha. I mean, there's no surprises there either. Melendez. I mean, having Rivero at double A while Fermin is at triple A is is interesting. Uh, Maybe we'll get some answers about why Rivero is all the way down in double A. Has big league time. Has major. Has has a lot of time at AAA. So that's that's odd. Maybe they want him to work on something. Maybe there's something that's concerning in there. I don't know. I think Rivero. I think his big league future is Cam Gallagher. Like I think that's what he is long term. So maybe that's not too big of a deal. They get Cam Gallagher traded. They bring in MJ Melendez up. Rivero becomes your third catcher on the forty. We'll see. Um, still think there's a big league future there for that kid. The infield for this team, just the, the lineup in general, Nate Eaton, Michael Garcia, Michael Massey, Jake Means, Tucker Bradley, Nick Lofton, Sully Matias, John Rave. My God almighty. <laughs> the, and then you add that with the rotation. This team, if they can hold it together, and then you add in some guys in high A that are probably going to get promoted at some point in the form of Tyler Gentry, in the form of Kale Emshoff, like there are reinforce Casey Kalich, like there are reinforcements on the way. They're not going to lose much when they pr- start promoting guys to Omaha. That double A team is going. So you basically have this quad cities team. They're going to win the double A chip. I've already kind of said they're going to win the triple A championship in Omaha. They're going to win both of them. The both of the higher level championships this year, yeah. unless there are so many guys that get big league time and there's injuries or something. They're going to win both levels. I am I am very confident in that. Like when you throw out the a rotation of Asa Lacey, Alec Marsh, Drew Parrish, Anthony Veneziano, and then you have Nate Webb in the back, like that's gotta be some form of bullying at like a professional level that it it's unfair. That's not all. They'll probably get Johnny Bolin at some point. He'll probably yeah. be back in double A. Angel Zerpa is going to be in double A, depending on what you know what gets finalized with that you know, demotion or option or whatever. And Will Klein is probably going to pop up in double A to start the year. So, I mean, you already have an absolutely stacked pitching staff, and then you're going to add Bolin and Klein somewhere in there as well. That is ridiculous. I mean, Bolin, like you said, Bolin, Klein, Zerpa, and then Daniel Tillo's not on a roster. He's probably going to be back there in the bullpen at some – I mean, Jeffrey Del Rosario. They are – I mean, who – where do you score your runs on this team? Like the 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 pitching staff, Stephen Woods Jr. The defense is pretty good out of the bullpen. <laughs> he was okay in spring for all yeah. the issues he had in the rotation. Yeah, he was throwing gas out of the bullpen and actually ended up being kind of affected. Effective. I'm kind of excited to see what he brings because yeah. he's got big league stuff. Now it's a matter of just putting it all together, which is easier said than done. But the stuff is plenty good. Mm-hmm. Um, Holden Caps is the guy we didn't see at all last year due to injury. Yep. He's a guy I thought was a big league prospect in 2019 before the shutdown, before his injury. Oh, he was awesome for that Wilmington club. Yes, awesome he was outstanding. He and Tad Ratliff, who's yes. also not on – I don't know if Tad Ratliff – he might not even be alive. I don't know where. <laughs> Tad, if you're listening to this, I miss you. I miss watching you pitch. Tad, I don't understand, like, where he came from. I have no idea, like – it's almost like he's a myth at this point. Like he came in out of nowhere, closing for Lexington, closing for Wilmington, was a part of those championship teams, and he just disappeared. Nobody yeah. ever talks about him. They don't ever reference him. I've never heard anybody 
like bring up his whereabouts. Like, I don't like, is he, was he captured by aliens or Russians or is he undercover? Like, I don't know what happened to Tad Ratliff. He was incredible to watch in 2019 and 2018. And then he just disappeared. So we'll see. Um, him and I'm, Chase Ballow are somewhere listening to this podcast, being like, "Oh, okay." At least Tad, Chase Ballow, we know retired. Did yeah. Tad Ratliff? I mean, Tad, Tad Ratliff did pitch in seven games last year between Quad Cities and the Complex League. Hmm. What? Now he pitched with like to a nine ERA in Quad Cities. So there's he that, pitched but. in Quad Cities. <laughs> he pitched in three games. So if we missed it, it's kind of understandable. I didn't know that. I'm going to go back and watch the film. The minor league app was BSing me earlier. I couldn't get on and the, the archives were down. So I was actually, I was trying to go back and watch film of uh, John Boland to get everybody ready for the season. And I wasn't able to clip it. So um, I will go back and watch Tad Ratliff's outings. I loved watching that kid pitch. God, this lineup, this just everything about this team is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And you think, and like that team was stacked last year. Like, it would take a, I think it would take a miracle for this team to not win the Texas League. Oh, yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That outfield is super athletic. I mean, we're talking that uh, about that with the high age outfield. This one, I mean, between Rave, Lofton, Asuli, Matias, and Tucker Bradley, I mean, that's I mean, you got a little bit of everything in that group. And I I, I just love it so much. Do you remember that word I was using before we started? This lineup does that. <laughs> yeah, it does that. It uh it uh it fornicates. It fornicates. <laughs> this lineup fornicates, it reproduces. It's the gift that so, keeps on giving. So also, before we move on, shout out to Ryan Grote, John. He was also a member of that Kansas City Monarchs Championship Club last year. What a I love that name. There's there's some great names that I legitimately had to yes. go look up. Uh, Robbie today. Glendening, Ryan yeah. Grote, John, Gavin Stupienski. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Glendening? Crotton. Glendening was in spring training, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. Yeah, where did he? Um, they got I him. See. He's He's had some... 
upper level time. Um, I don't remember where. Jerry Depoto's son is on this team. Yep. Yep. Hopefully he won't get eaten by any whales. <laughs> no, his dad. His dad'll make so, His dad'll work oh, no. some three team deal where he'll uh, he'll <laughs> he'll get traded. I didn't know we were going Old Testament stand up comic here. <laughs> I need to set my bearings for. They've got an inferno. I mean, this team's just. They got some Italians. Yeah, this team's gonna. They're gonna fornicate. God Almighty. There's a Cosby on there. What? (laughs) There's a Cosby on there. Oh. Uh Josh. Triple A. Triple A. Going to (laughs) Tampa. A couple hours north. (laughs) <laughs> um Jesus Christ. Okay, the pitchers are gonna be in Omaha. I don't know if we can make that joke. <laughs> My heart doesn't feel right. Yep. Everybody need on a the, shower. On the on the mound, and I feel dirty. On the mound in Omaha, Brandon Barker, who got abused with the Omaha team last year, but he went out there and ate some innings. He was a soldier for him. Ronald Bolaño, so I'm glad to see back healthy. Colton Brewer, who looked fantastic in a few spring outings. I'm excited to see what that looks like. Austin Cox, um, a guy we went back and forth on. Had a lot of conversations about this offseason. Cannot wait to see how he handles the the AAA happy fun ball, as Joel put it. (laughs) Jose Quas, who Alec Lewis can't stop tweeting about. Uh, Jose Quas is weird. I'll go find some videos of Jose Quas pitching because it is – one of the most unique deliveries in in the royal system, and it's not like overwhelming stuff. It's like it's it's super pitchability from a weird angle. Um, Josh like Dye is left-handed Jose Quas. Yeah. Uh, Sam Freeman, Foster Griffin, Marcelo Martinez, Daniel Mengden, who I am glad to see accepted his assignment to Omaha. Mm-hmm. Andres Nunez, Brad Peacock, Jace Vines, and Arodis Viscano. Uh, on the infield, Gabriel Cancel, uh, Angelo Castiano, Ivan Castillo, Clay Dungan, who will also be playing some outfield, Jimmy Govern, who I'm excited to see in Omaha, uh, Vinny Pasquantino, and Nick Prado in the outfield. We talked about Clay Dungan, Dyron Blanco, uh, Brewer Hicklin, and Jacoby Jones, and then behind the dish, Freddie Fermin, William Hancock, and MJ Melendez. This lineup, uh, also. Yes. yes, does the thing. <laughs> I'm curious to see how they kind of split time between Duncan, Govern, and Castillo. Personally, that's a that's a really solid. But all three of those dudes just scream utility infielder mm-hmm. and kind of mostly middle infielder as well. So some of the, one of those dudes has got to play third baseman regularly, and then you got Castellano and Cancel as well can both play the hot corner as well. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens and how that infield shakes out. But, I mean, that's that's an interesting group with a lot of good defensive upside, but there is some offensive pop in there as well. They I'll tell you what, I was getting... I thought Clay Dungan was a big league prospect anyway. Mm-hmm. If he's going to play the outfield and do it with any kind of ability, he's absolutely a super utility type that could make a big league career playing whatever position he's called on to play and yep. hitting just enough to get by. Sorry, go ahead, Joel. No, that was exactly what I was going to say. The fact that they're going to put Dungan in the outfield tells me they really believe that he can be a big leaguer by next year, that he can be a guy that, you know, I'll, I hate trying to make all the comparisons to what Merrifield, but 
and I'm not saying they're similar players, but when you have a guy that can do both and do both effectively in Kansas City, it just it makes for ease of use that kind of gives people an idea of what they're looking at. And I think I like Duncan a lot. He came on last year and kind of surprised all of us and, you know, is now a guy that's knocking on the door of the big leagues. And if he can play any, if he can play the outfield and the corners with that kind of, with, with some sort of regularity, I think, I think regularity is going to be the big part. And especially if he's good out there and they just start throwing him out there more uh, and give Dyron Blanco or Jacoby Jones an off day and he's good. It That's going to be a lot. I mean, it's going to just adds another dude that you could throw up there. Uh, into Kansas City. Well, and he he's already like maybe not quite at the level Nicky Lopez is, but borderline, like if you put Clay Dungan at second base every day in the big leagues, I think he'd be in the conversations. Or Now, he wouldn't actually be in gold glove conversations because he wouldn't hit enough, which I hate having to say, but it's the truth. <laughs> yeah, and I think stupid. he could hold You're it down right. at shortstop in the big leagues. I really yep. believe that. So now again, I don't think he's quite at the level at the level that Nicky Lopez is, but he's a very good second baseman, a very adequate shortstop. I think he could slide over to third in a pinch. And again, the ability to play the outfield—it's kind of like you said, Joel. Like there's some there's some validity to Whit Merrifield's versatility, right? I mean, it's it, Whit Merrifield was not an all star because he's just this awesome second baseman. He can play all these positions. He's very good at everything he's asked to do, um, and there's there's value to that. And, and speaking of, uh, J.J. Piccolo said Melendez will be behind the plate four days a week, but he's also going to get a day at third base, a day in the outfield. They're going to move Nick Prado into the corner outfields a little bit to try to work Pasquantino in the lineup at first base. And, guys, this is what we talk about all the time during draft season. Go draft a bat. We will figure out where they're going to play later. Don't worry about what position they play. They're too far away to worry about it. Go draft a all the second basemen, all the third basemen, all the outfielders go draft the bat and we will make it work when they get to that point. And now the Royals have like literally done that. They've drafted all the bats and they're like, you know what? Like, where are we going to play all these guys? That's what we do. That is how you're supposed to play the game. Draft the bat and find a defensive position for them later on. They're good enough athletes. Nick Prado has a phenomenal arm. He will live. He will survive in the outfield. MJ Melendez is a great athlete. He will survive somewhere on the field. I think there's a lot of good places for these guys, um, and and their versatility is going to be the difference between the Royals getting them all on the field and not getting any of them on the field in terms of Melendez. If all he could do is catch, you're never going to play. If all Prado could do is play first base, one of him and Pasquantino could never play. Like, and and that's not like a slight to Vinny because Vinny probably can't move to the outfield, but having versatility makes it easier on everybody. Right. And it makes them immediately available if something happens at the big league squad. Exactly. And today they came out with the news that they're not going to limit Mondesi at shortstop. They're not going to call. They're not going to limit his games. That's so, great. He's going to get end up on the IL in two weeks. Correct. And you know what happens then? They shift Nikki over to short, or shift Bobby over to short. One of those two, depending on who is ready at Omaha, and that could be Melendez at third. That could be uh, uh, shift. Prado into right field, which goes to the second. Nikki goes to short. I mean, it kind of gives you options, and it kind of makes if everybody's healthy, one of those dudes has got to make you know bang the door down and and get up there into the ball club, into the big league ball club on merit as opposed to availability type of thing. So it seems like Omaha is starting to become kind of like a breeding ground for versatility. I'm here for it, especially at this point in the rebuild or wherever we are as a franchise. You know. Get up there, get 
your best abilities availability type of thing. And if you're available to play multiple positions, you're only going to be more available. So I'm into it. Um, Really quick, some guys that weren't on that Omaha roster. It looks like Kyle Isbell and Edward Olivares have made the big league team. It, yes, looks, like John, it looks like John Heasley and Daniel Lynch have made that big league team. Heasley oh, was optioned today. Heasley got optioned oh. like an hour and a half after that news broke. So that, yeah. that was my first thought too was, oh, man, Heasley made the roster. I would assume this means Daniel Lynch is in the bullpen. Lynch judging or by Singer. Yeah. Or, or singer, but judging by and you you tweeted about this, Alex, about the how odd Daniel Lynch's response was to some of the questions. That tells me I think he they probably told him you're not the fifth starter, you're going to the bullpen. Which is interesting. Like Singer Singer is a two-pitch pitcher. I think we should just call it what it is, man. And I wondered if this is the case because they're trying to light that fire under Singer, be like if you want to use the two pitches or the three pitches, whatever you wanted to classify the four seamer as, you can be that, but you're not going to be a top four starter in this rotation. And there's very likely with what kind of depth that we're working with here, you're not going to be in the rotation whatsoever. So if you don't want to use that changeup, then you're going to be comfortable being Jake Junis out of the bullpen. Do you think they sent a message to Singer and Lynch put on notice so. in any way? by announcing the first four guys of the rotation, like, hey, <laughs> here's the – no, and, and I mean, seriously, as a coach, yeah. think about, like, 100%. hey, here's the first four guys that we're most comfortable with. Granky, Keller. Bubich, Carlos Bubich Hernandez. Hernandez, right? So they've said we, we're confident in these four, we trust these four, they're going to go out and start the first four games. Do you think that's a message? Do you think in any way that was intentional – to get like think about Lynch's body language in that interview to get his attention like dude you're not good enough mm. it's not working you need to listen you need to change something blah blah, blah. What, whatever that change is singer you got to throw your change up dude like you've got to change something about what you're doing because it's not good enough so to me as a coach I saw that and I'm like man they kind of kind of took a shot like that mm. is a that is a message at these two get your you know what together or you're not going to be in the rotation yeah. And to a degree, it's Coar too. Yeah, like, I, I think wanted that, to bring him up too because he didn't because uh, he didn't end up in the rotation either. So it's those three guys, and everyone kind of wrote off Coar and was like, "Oh, this is between Singer and Lynch for the fifth spot." It's like, well, yeah. then we know Coar is going to the bullpen, and maybe he can make it work, and maybe he turns into an awesome reliever throwing going fastball changeup, and with that slider that he's working in, they can make it work there. Uh, but it certainly is interesting, uh, and I, I still think there was a really, really good pitcher in there for Daniel Lynch. I'm close to out on Brady Singer. I thought he looked rough in spring. He was all over the place. His command was not what it, you know, what it was touted to be. He he walked as many dudes as he struck out. He got hit, and when he got hit, he got hit really hard. I I don't know, man. I I think he is going. I, I mentioned it on One Royal Way with Jordan Foot. I think if you're going to put Singer in the rotation he's going to be on a very short leash. Like it might be, if he gets blown up in two out of three starts, he's probably not going to start again until like July and he'll be in the bullpen or he has options and they'll send him to triple A and it's a kind of a come to Jesus moment for him to get your crap in order and we got to go. You know who else got absolutely hammered today? Who? Brad Keller. Keller. Yeah, he did. Yep. Got hammered by the Reds. He did Here's grind out four and two thirds. But he gave up like six runs, and from what I heard, he yeah. got hit and hit hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here's here's my day. thing with the Royals, and I tweeted out today that I think the Royals finished seventy nine and eighty three. 
and I think I'm being generous with 79 wins. Vegas has got them at 74 and a half. So I'm five wins over Vegas's. And by the way, people are always talking about projections. Like, you know who I trust the most in some capacity is the people with money on the line. Like, mm. I trust the guys who make a living. Like, I have to be right or I'm going to lose money. So the projections are one thing. Vegas is a whole other thing. So I'm kind of on the side with, the, with, with Vegas where it's like, I expect this team to be better. Hunter Dozier could not be any worse than he was for parts of last year. Bobby Witt Jr. is going to add a couple of wins to this team. I think Nicky Lopez is due for some regression. Whit Merrifield I'm a little concerned about. Ryan O'Hearn is still on the roster. Michael A. Taylor's not getting – that was peak Michael A. Taylor what we saw last year. There's nothing left. There's no room for growth. And he's like a, what, 1.9 war player. Andrew Benintendi, do we really know what we're going to get? Is it possible for Salvador Perez to lead the league in home runs again? I don't know. So my part of my concern with the team is like there's some ceiling, and I think there's some there's some room for growth if they get some of these young guys involved. But if the rotation's not very good, and if any of these guys regress without a huge step in the right direction from a couple of hitters, like this could be another year, much like last summer, where there's just stretches of futility, mm-hmm. and then there's you know some streaks where it's hey, maybe. But I don't know where the okay, that's a playoff team. I don't know where that comes from. So I'm not I'm not pessimistic about the team. I picked them to win 79 games. And I feel like I'm being optimistic to have them winning 79 games. But for the people who are like, oh, that's too low, I would strongly caution you to hedge your bet because there are a couple of like your top 10% outcome, like the best outcome for this team is like 500 maybe. Like, I don't know how this team is better than 500. Like, they would have to just play out of their minds. But there's a bottom 10% outcome where there's there's a decent chance they're like 71, 72 win team again. And I think people are going to be freaking out if they only win 71, 72 wins, 72 games uh, in 2022. Yeah, I'm thinking somewhere in there. I said, I think in 77 and 85 right now is probably where I'm at. Like, just over the Vegas odds. Like, like I think Bobby Wood Jr. adds enough to this team where they could probably hit that over um and and be okay um if they and if they win 74 and bobby you know bobby's in the lineup every day and prado and melendez and Vinny in some capacity are up and isbell's getting everyday run and and we're starting to kind of see the young core go when they win 74 games and i at least feel okay going into 2023 because those guys are getting the run and i've rehashed this take multiple times but it i'm just going to keep hammering it because it's true but if we see Ryan O'Hearn get 400 at-bats and we see Hunter Dozier get 400 at-bats and Michael A. Taylor's getting 400 or 500 at-bats, then what are we doing here? Like, you're not try- like you're you're not getting ready to win because Michael A. Taylor's not on the next good Royals team. Hunter Dozier's probably not as an everyday player. Hell, he might not even be as a bench player. Ryan O'Hearn certainly is not. I don't even know if Mondesi is at this point. And there are certain pitchers that aren't either that are going to get run. So – at a certain point, like I'm like the hashtag let the kids play. Like, let's go. <laughs> trying to cool down your takes, Joel. Just trying to cool <laughs> you down a little bit. He's trying to get my blood pressure boiling. <laughs> There's some truth into what you were saying. There's Absolutely. a lot of it. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like fearful of like some of this. Dude, if Ryan O'Hearn gets 400 plate appearances, <laughs> I'm Joel's afraid gonna punch he's a going puppy, to. Like. like, I'm being, punch I'm being real. Like, I'm afraid that he actually might. And yeah. I don't think he is. Because he's not good, and he hasn't been good for three years. 
Yeah. But they keep throwing him out there. So that tells me that there's they obviously see something. And obviously because he hit 500 in the spring, he's clearly going to turn it around, even though he hasn't been good since 2018. Like, all right, whatever, man. I'm getting we're, too fired up. Let's let's move on. Let's, let's get final well, thoughts and get out of here. <laughs> well, before before we do that, I want to. We're talking about managing expectations, and I want to pump the brakes a little bit on Bobby Wood Jr. I everybody thinks he's the truth. He's the number one, number one, number two, number three prospect in all of baseball. He's going to make his debut on Thursday as the third baseman for the Kansas City Royals. People, by all accounts, thinks that he's a can't miss guy. There is a decent chance that he is going to. Uh, be below expectations in his rookie year. That's just what happens for most guys. That's just what happens to most guys, period. All needs to be said. So I think we need to manage our expectations. We don't need to overreact whenever I don't need to see articles being like, do we, or do we need to worry about Bobby Wood Jr.? I don't need to see that two weeks into the season. There's a decent chance that he's going to, there's going to be a learning curve. He's going to struggle. It is what it is. Just stick with it. He is the truth, but we need to let him, get back to the major league expectations that we're kind of like holding him up to already. I I am. I will say regarding that, I am afraid of like the Jared Kelnick effect. So as a Mariners fan as well, when Kelnick came up, Mariners fans put the weight of the franchise on that kid that he was going to come up and he was going to be the dude that's going to turn it around. Now he ended up being really good down the stretch, but he was horrendous Mm. for his first hundred big league plate appearances. Like, I don't think he could, I don't, I think he swung and missed like, 50% 50% of the time, and he struggled big time. I do, I am afraid that as much as I love Bobby Wood Jr. and think he's going to be awesome and think he's going to win Rookie of the Year and be a great player, I do I do wonder about the pressure that comes with being the guy that is touted to be the dude that turns the franchise around, mm-hmm. like the lowly franchise that hasn't won anything in a while. I know the Royals won a World Series in 2015, but that feels like a two decades ago at this point with how awful the team has been since that that World Series. So there's a lot, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on him at the same time. He grew up around big leaguer. His dad was a big leaguer for 15, 17 years. So like he knows what it's like to be around in a big league locker room, be around big leaguers and handle himself at the big league level. So there is a little bit of give and take there, but if he's, if he hits a buck 80 in the first month, like don't panic guys, like he's going to be just fine. His zips projection is 268, 323 and 454 for a 777 OPS. Do you think that's high enough for where the fans are kind of seeing, you know, expecting of him? No, no, and I think that is because most fans have unrealistic expectations. Sure, that's what I'm trying to quell. If he, if there. he I'm get, trying to, trying to, son of a gun, man, if he if he gets an 800 OPS in his yeah. first year, then I will drive that hype train until it goes off the tracks. It'll likely lead the lead the team in OPS if it's above 800. I still think I don't even think it's necessarily a hot take that he's still like if he has if he gets to about. 70% of his best outcome, he probably still leads the team in war. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I especially because Fangraphs hate Salvi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it, his war does probably take a hit at being playing third base, though, too, instead of shortstop as well. A little bit, but it's it's not terrible. Yeah. And, and if, he's, I mean, if, he's, if he's really good defensively, it would, it would actually be a wash if he's compared okay. to being average at shortstop. So I gotcha. It's not terrible. Um. Really quick, uh, Drum Farm, we will be back next Sunday when we record. It will be our first minor league minute uh, of the season. We'll have actual games to recap with you. Uh, Omaha plays four or five, five, 
plays five games. I think they, they open, open as you like, like when you are listening to this podcast. They open tomorrow. Triple mm-hmm. A opening. No, when, they, when, no. when people start listening to this, they open today. Tonight. That's what I yep. mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So as the crow flies, Tuesday, April fifth. That's right. But I that's think fair. do they do they play six games right away or is it? A five I have no idea, set? but I just know Triple A opens April fifth, and then everyone else opens April. It's a six game set. They play all six. So the double A down will start a three game set on Friday. Triple A has a full six game slate rolling tonight, Tuesday, April fifth. So um, we'll see who's on the mound. We'll get that all tweeted out. We'll get you all taken care of. But uh, next Sunday we'll have our Drum Farm Minor League Minute, and we'll be back with with more of that next week. Really quick, gentlemen. Um, I guess I'll update. So for anybody listening, right now it's ten exactly ten p.m. and North Carolina is winning forty eight to forty seven with eleven and a half minutes left. So I was I was razzling Kansas fans a little bit early on. It, it was forty um, to twenty five. I've had it up to my right. So if you're watching on YouTube and you see me dart off to my right for the last fifteen minutes, is because I've been watching the game. Yeah. So. I, I'm not watching the game. I can't make myself watch it. But um, anyway, so we're we're in the middle of watching the game. Some of us are. But uh, Josh, any final thoughts tonight? Uh, I'm excited. I, I am giddy about watching this uh, minor league system get after us starting tomorrow. So I'm I'm absolutely jacked, and I kind of have. I'm a little bit more excited to watch this system than I am watching the actual Royals. And maybe it just because I ha- it's so hard to watch the Royals when you're a cord cutter like myself. But it's very easy to watch all the minor league games. I'm very pumped to get three, four games under my belt every night and be able to you know check out these guys that I've been, been talking about for the last three months. So uh, I'm very excited to have baseball back. It is officially back starting tomorrow. Joel, final thoughts. Yeah, I'm excited for things to get going. Uh, I'll call it now. I think Vinny's going to hit the first home run of the minor league season for the Royals. So I'll go there. Um, and then be sure to check out One Royal Way. Coming out on Wednesday, we are previewing the the uh, series against the Cleveland Guardians, which I'm still getting used to. I actually said it because I've just been saying Cleveland on on that show because I knew I would eventually screw it up. So Cleveland baseball uh, team, the Cleveland, Did baseball you see team. where they left I a N S on the wall in their yes. spring complex. Yes. That was so great. <laughs> and you know, somebody in that room because that organization is so cheap that they thought about that when they were coming up with the name, it's like guard is on this wall. And then in Ian's is, is on yep, the next. Yep. No, it's going to be fun. I, I can't wait. I, I'm going out on Thursday to the K with my dad Get to watch Grinky and his return. Get to watch Bobby Wood Jr. make his big league debut. Oh man, I'm, I'm ready. It, baseball is back this week, and I am I'm one happy man. That's for sure. Only thing I got tonight is go Tar Heels. Let's see. <laughs> it is now. It is still 48 to 47. So let's go Tar Heels. I can't. I don't. The I Kansas fans are insufferable. Like I would like to be happy for you, genuinely as a Mizzou fan, a diehard Mizzou fan who was raised in my father's will, I swear to God, if he died, the the money he would left behind, um, I was allowed to use to pay help pay for college unless I went to KU. Like I wasn't, <laughs> the money in his will was not to be spent at KU. Go anywhere else. Um, and my dad is still alive. He didn't think, I mean, thank God he's not. Oh, I, was saying, T's and P's. Like, I was raised behind, like straight ahead of me right here. I've got a Brad Smith jersey. It says uh-huh. two future tigers and it has, my siblings' names written out. Um, I'm a diehard Mizzou fan, and I would like to be happy for Kansas fans. I would like, like, I know Kansas fans. I know some Kansas fans very well. 
I would like to be happy for you, but you are the most insufferable group of, insufferable group of fans. You and the St. Louis Cardinals fans. Why? How did we get? How did Kansas City get smushed between the two most insufferable group of fans in the world on planet Earth? You guys can go screw yourselves. Good night, San Diego. Let's go Tar Heels. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.